0: We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, HD3, Philadelphia.
1: And Odyssey station from the
0: Cherry Hill Volvo Studios,
1: where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your host, Radio Hour. The mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes, Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News and Real Estate on 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co host, The Mortgage Mom, Deanne Catsaris. How are you, Deanne?
2: I am fabulous, Mark. Any better? I'd be you.
1: (laughs) And we're excited to be here every Saturday talking to you at 1 o'clock on WPHT Talk Radio, the number one talk station in Philadelphia. If you want to ask us a question about mortgages, residential, commercial, real estate, give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501, and I answer that number. What's your number, (laughs)
2: Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153.
1: And we are the only real estate show in the Philadelphia market, so we're here to keep you informed You listen to this show and past shows at our website, goodnewsandrealestate.com, and also at WPHD's website. So what's coming up today?
2: Coming up on today's show, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with asking Dr. A. Correct. We also have Mark's funny story. I got an interesting one today. Looking forward to it. We also have our mortgage mom topic. Which is what? What is the difference between a deed and title?
1: Mm, that's a good one.
2: Mark, we also have our questions. If my yes. agent asks me to sign a buyer agent agreement and and I don't, what's the impact? Good one. The next question is... I asked my agent if I could have the lockbox code to take a second look at the house. (laughs) And she told me, no. Why can't I take a look on a property that I'm interested in? The next one is, does a seller have to disclose how many offers they have? That's a good one. Very good one. Next question. I have my eye on a house that says coming soon. I live nearby. I have seen agents with couples going in the house. I called the office and they told me it is not on the market yet. Is this ethical? (laughs) Mark, we also have our topic of the day, which is home flipping increases even as profits decline. Yep. Looking to hear that one. Um, But first, give us your motivational quote.
1: And the motivational quote is, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. Very good. That's right, man. You plant that tree and somebody will have fun with it. 30
2: years from now. (laughs) So where are we at? So, Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is Frank's bell. So nearly
1: 65% of homeowners are planning to sell their house, they they expect, by the end of the summer and into the year, which should provide the much-needed influx of inventory that we need desperately. Your lips to God's ear. Yeah. So, and during the pandemic, according to Realtor.com, there was a survey of prospective sellers. Realtor.com Wednesday released the results of an online survey of 3,000 consumers conducted in February. More than six in 10 prospective 2022 sellers saying they intend to put their house on the market within the next six months, suggesting some upcoming relief to one of the worst housing shortages in history. You know, while sellers are expected to hold the upper hand in 2022, navigating the listing process remains a challenge, particularly for those who are buying in the fast-paced market. Homeowners who are ready to move forward with the pandemic delayed (laughs) plans will find plenty of opportunity this spring and summer. Although accelerating inflation is leading to higher housing costs and living expenses, many buyers remain interested in finding a home. At the same time, recent housing trends suggest demand is beginning to moderate as higher mortgage rates push monthly payments out of some buyers' budgets, underscoring the long-term need for more affordable inventory. They should stop screwing with the rates because it's not helping the economy. I don't know why they think not all ideas are good ideas. (laughs) Whether nearly two-thirds of potential sellers follow through with their plans in the spring will prove integral to the buyers' Make a purchase according to this new release. So we'll see what happens with all that. In a positive sign that homeowners are serious about listing, many sellers are already getting their homes ready. Now, that's where our sponsors should come in. Where, you know, don't spend the money redoing the kitchen before you sell, call our sponsor. And they'll come in and do all the repairs for it. You don't put any money out of your pocket. You pay for that settlement. It is a great program. It's
2: a great program, Mark. And that company is Curbio, C-U-R-B-I-O. Yeah, Curbio. So they- that
1: is a great. Because who wants to work on a house you're wanting to get rid of? You're usually tired of it. Right. You want to move on. You don't want to spend money. Spend money. So they come in, do all that stuff, and you don't pay for it till settlement. Right. And you could probably make it up anyway. And so, so with that, tell us about the rates. Oh,
2: so, our thirty-year fixed conventional rate is five point two five percent. Your fifteen-year is four percent. Your FHA is four point eight seven five. And right now, your five-one ARM and your seven-one ARM are running around three point eight seven five four percent. Now, I go back to when I would tell people the rates are so low, you don't need to get into the arms. Now's a good time to get into the arms. You're not going to keep that mortgage for five to seven years. So, if you can get into a lower rate and then refinance down the line, have more equity, it could be a win win situation for you.
1: And I think whatever happens over the next four years, rates may come down again. Who knows? So, with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio, 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time.
0: We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Casares and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union—not here for our profit, here for yours.
1: All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time. So, where are we at the end?
2: So, Mark, we are up to your funny story.
1: So, this one's a little different—a little trivia. Tidbit tidbit of trivia from Neil Armstrong. On July 20th, 1969, as the commander of a Power 11 lunar module, I figured, you know, the moon is real state, so I threw this story in. (laughs) Neil Armstrong was the first person to set foot on the moon. His first words after stepping on the moon was, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, the one that everybody knows and it was televised to the Earth and heard by millions and millions. But just before he re-entered the lander, he made a little remark, good luck, Mr. Gorski. And many people at NASA thought it was a casual remark concerning some rival Soviet cosmonaut or however upon checking, there was no Gorski in either the Russian space program or the American program. So over the years, many people questioned Armstrong as to what, Good luck, Mr. Gorski met. And he always just smiled, and he would never tell him. So on July fifth, 1995, in Tampa Bay, Florida, while answering questions following his speech, a reporter brought up up the 26-year-old question about Mr. Gorski to Armstrong. This time, he finally responded because Mr. Gorski had died, so Neil felt he could now answer the question. And here's the answer. He goes, who was Mr. Gorski? And he said, uh, he goes, well, in 1938, when I was a kid in a small Midwestern town, I was playing baseball with a friend in the backyard and the friend hit the ball, which landed in his neighbor's yard by their bedroom window. His neighbors were Mr. and Mrs. Gorski. As he leaned down to pick up the ball." Young Armstrong heard Mrs. Gorski shouting at Mr. Gorsky, sex, sex. You want sex? You'll get sex when the kid next door walks on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and Armstrong always remembered that. And, and so he said when he was getting on his ship, he said, good luck, Mr. Gorski.
2: That's great. That's <laughs> And great. the family
1: confirmed that that was a true story. That's so that was hilarious. A good one, man. <laughs> So now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with Cat Katzaris from Green Tree Mortgage. And her topic is the difference between a deed and a title. So tell us about that. That is
2: correct, Mark, because there's so many misconceptions on, on what actually happens. And there's many terms that you will learn as you're buying your home. Debt to income, appraisal, credit score, a loan estimate. And it all seems like a lot as you approach the day of closing where again, you're going to hear many new terms. So in fact, you'll hear a ton of discussion about the deed and the title of your property. So you may be wondering what these two items are and what's the difference between the two of them. So to begin, both are an important part of owning real estate, but it can actually be hard to distinguish between the two. So here's what you need to know about the difference between the deed and the title in real estate. So let's start with first understanding what is a deed. A property deed, and I know you teach this in your class, but a property deed is a legal document that transfer property ownership from the seller, which is the grantor, to a buyer, or which is also known as the grantee. And it shows a change in ownership as occurred in a sale. So the deed will state the names of both the seller and the buyer of the property, must have the signature of at least the seller of the property to confirm the transfer of ownership. So some states include a space for the buyer and the seller to sign, while other states only require the signature of the seller. Deeds are filed as part of the public record with the city, county, and or state and are often accessible online through your local tax assessor's office. So it's, it's public record. However, depending on where you live, a deed can be considered valid without being filed as part of the public record. So the basic, the basics of a property deed, what it looks like on title. So what is title? A title is not a document, but in fact, a legal right to ownership of the property, including the right to be able to sell it. And it's not just real estate that has titles. You can have a title for a boat, um, a car, And these titles have to do with as many other property items. So the title really determines who has the power to transfer transfer and or have use of the property and how that property is owned. Because the title is the ownership of the property itself, homeowners, buyers, lenders can purchase title insurance to protect against any liens or judgments against the ownership of the property. So title insurance is crucial protection in the case of any kind of ownership dispute. So when, when doing a loan, you know, people say, well, why do I need title insurance? I don't know if I want title insurance. It's really not an option because when getting a mortgage, you have to verify again, that the property is free and clear of any liens or judgments challenges to the title can come from things like unpaid property taxes or a mortgage. Sometimes they put child support liens, um, a relative of a deceased owner claiming to have actually inherited the property. Sometimes it could be fraud, among other scenarios. There's been a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on. And prior to the real estate closing, the title insurance company will search the property's history to see if there are any unknown resolved claims against ownership. So the primary difference between the property's deed and title, title as a concept, as the deed, as a document coincide with the right to physical representation of the property ownership. So there are many different types of deeds. They can mean many different things regarding title, whether they are known to claim ownership beyond the transaction taking place. So additionally, these discrepancies in a history of a home's title can lead to necessary adjustments indeed, or even postpone the closing of the deed until that's actually satisfied. So while there's only one title, there could be many types of deeds. So there are different types of deeds that we, there's a general warranty deed, there's a special warranty deed or granted deed, there's a quick claim deed, there's a bargain and sale deed. So each of these have their own specific reasons and definitions depending on what you're actually doing or what you're actually selling. And then also, how are you holding title, which is a whole other topic that can be so confusing? Is it joint tenant, sole survivorship? And this all has to do with the possession, also, and who has the rights to the property. And you
1: There's two topics. There's two topics for you in upcoming shows one about the different D's. And the one about how you want to take ownership. They ask them at the settlement table. They never thought about it. The agent never told them, well, how do you want to take ownership? I don't know. Uh, yeah. And I've seen some situations where like the husband, Al Fox, the wife. Right. <laughs> and said, we're going to take it this way. Right. <sighs> and then later on uh, there was a divorce and I, she thought she owned something but she didn't
2: and you got and remember this is at the end when the title and vice versa Right. there's like women there and don't forget <laughs> you know after signing all of these documents that's when they ask that question so they don't care I know. they're just like let me just finish signing the documents and move on to the next one
1: yeah and some title clerk says well usually they do that right
2: so <laughs> knowing the terms And what they mean gives you the knowledge and confidence in buying your, in making your home buying decision. And always be sure to get your questions answered and work with a real estate licensed mortgage professional who is educated in the process. And, you know, just by saying that, Mark, that's a great, I'm going to give them, that's going to be another document in the mortgage process on how to hold title because people need to read it. They might even want to ask their attorney you know, what's going to be best for them because it can be really, really complicated and we don't want people to be confused. There's enough going on.
1: Especially if there's a divorce or something down the road, it could be a big deal. So
2: if you have any questions, as always, feel free to reach out to me. My number is 609-605-7153. We'll be happy to guide you on which is going to best fit your needs because it's a decision... That needs to be made based on your particular situation.
1: Right. And that that choice has to be made. And most of the buyers, they end up at the table and it's a last minute decision.
2: All right. Let's jump into some of our questions.
1: Now we're going to take a commercial break here. And then
2: next we'll do our question and answer.
1: (laughs) All right. All right, so coming up next will be our questions. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on 1210 WPHT. All
0: positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. All right. Welcome back to Good
1: News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, All positive all the time. So where are we at the end?
2: So, Mark, we are up to our question and answer segment.
1: So what's the first one?
2: Our first question is, if my agent asks me to sign a buyer agent agreement and I don't, what is the impact?
1: And this one happens a lot because a lot of agents for whatever reason, are scared to ask people to sign this buyer-agent agreement. They'd rather go out and show them houses. And I don't know why they do this, but in my career, I've seen this so many times. And I used to ask mortgage people like you, like in my real estate classes, how many deals do you have right now that all the documents were signed on the same day? The buyer-agent agreement, the agreement of sale, how this is supposed to work. Before they even show you a house, they're supposed to show you a consumer notice and show you a buyer agent agreement and sign it. Because if you do not sign a buyer agent agreement in most states, everybody represents the seller. So this agent that's showing you the house is not on your side. And you usually get the agent for free. They get paid at settlement. And now the agent's on your side. Now, here's the ramifications. If this agent is walking through my house, showing my house, and he looks up at the ceiling somewhere and he sees like where there was a water spot, even though I had a new roof put on, right? And he goes, Whoa, look at that. And I overhear that. And I say to that agent, do you got a copy of your buyer agent agreement? He goes, uh, no, I didn't sign with them." I said, so that means you're working for me, correct? And he thinks, and or she, and they go, yeah. I said, well, when are you moving in? <laughs> <laughs> because you just bought this house and then they would be freaked out. But technically that's could happen. I could sue them for the price of the house because that agent is not representing the buyer. I don't know why, but all my years of running offices since 2002, I've seen so many agents there's, if you don't ask the answers, what
2: they're afraid they're the is no, they're right. afraid. They're,
1: they're afraid to, to ask this person to sign. To commit. Now, here's the worst scenario. Now, if I had somebody I just met, right? So, and I asked them to sign a buyer agent agreement and they're like, oh, we don't want to sign no agreement. We just met you. All right. How about if you sign, we're going to go out looking at houses on Sunday, right? How about if you sign the agreement to Monday and I'll show you houses Sunday. At le- so at least I'm on your side. And then as we get to go, know one another better, we'll extend the agreement. 99% of the buyers would go, okay because now they're on your side and now as when I'm on their side I can point out things that they might miss but when when I don't have an agreement I'd be very careful about pointing out things so it, I, a lot of agents do it I had a I had a woman in my real estate class that was a mortgage person and uh, we this came up in class and I asked her to go back look at her files of everything she had pending and how many agreements did she have that everything was signed on the same day and she came back and she was in shock it was like 80 percent of them yeah like the d- agents wrote the whole thing on the same day and signed up so now all that time they were given advice they weren't representing the buyer so you want to sign a buyer agreement with an agent prior to going out showing houses where they're not on your side it's that simple what's the next one
2: the next question is I asked my agent if I could have a, the lockbox code to take a second look at the house. And she told me no. Why can't I take a look if I'm interested in buying it?
1: Yeah. this, this <laughs> And I know lazy agents that actually do this. Now, this house is empty. It's on a lockbox. Now, I've had some situations where the seller was still technically there but had a lockbox. And they come home and there's people in their house with no agent. Like, what are you doing in here? Right. You're not supposed to give out the lockbox to a consumer because they're supposed to be escorted by the agent. The worst one I ever had, this agent knew this house and he was having financial problems, knew this house was on a box box, and basically moved in and had a mattress on the living room floor. Oh, my God. And the seller happened to come back from wherever and called this broker and said, yo, one of your agents are camping out of my house.
2: That's crazy. <laughs> but Mark, what, never... would, happen, what would happen if, so I'm a licensed, let's say I'm a licensed agent, and you can't get into the MLS, and you call me and say, hey what's your login and password? And I give you my login and password and you schedule an appointment under my name and you go show the house, but we're both licensed.
1: Yeah. But you're not supposed to do that. According to the boards and the MOS, I'm not supposed to let anybody log in. That's a violation. You know, the whole thing about ethics with these words yeah uh, you know i actually had somebody in front of the attorney general's office call me about something i complained about about a year and a half ago (laughs) it was by the time they get to you anyway (laughs) never give out agents should never give out a lockbox code and let consumers go there on their own. what if they go in and steal a whole mess of stuff who's liable you what
2: if somebody falls and gets hurt and what if there's
1: all there's all kinds of never know
2: there's a there's a thousand things that could go wrong with that scenario. Yeah, what if
1: the seller has like a pit bull and <laughs> you go wandering in and get ripped to shreds?
2: Cause you have to All schedule right. that appointment. They have to know when you're going in. You can't just that's right. go that's in. That's
1: the whole point. Yeah. We of That's why for sale by owners have this problem. You know, as you're listed, you know, who's coming with who, when everything else. Right. All right. What's the next one?
2: Next question is, does a seller have to disclose how many offers they have?
1: Technically, no. I mean, there is a form I used to use and send it to people and and to the listing agent and say, you know, what offers have you had? And But they don't have to tell you anything. I mean, they could have six, seven offers, and the agent calls up and says, how many offers do you have? It's none of your business how many offers I got. Put in your best offer. Right. You know, but uh, they don't have to disclose unless there's some agreement they'll disclose. But... No, they don't have and, to disclose.
2: And it's so funny because there's a house that might be on the market for 20 days. And all of a sudden, I have a client that's putting an offer in. And I call the listing agent, introduce myself, let them know how great the client is. They're like, oh, we just got a cash offer this morning. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. The house has been on the market for, uh, you just happened to get a cash offer today.
1: Yeah. Well, that's uh, but they're, they're ha- lying because they're trying in the meantime they're shopping this house around their office and trying to find a buyer and keep that all that money in house
2: yeah and also they want you to come in at a higher offer because if the cash is going in you know at the asking price and and i tell you that we have a cash offer on the table they're gonna go in higher
1: and there's an agent that just took his three and a half hour ethics course and uh, just telling you (laughs) that (laughs) (laughs) what's the next one
2: all right the next question is I have my eye on a house that says coming soon. I live nearby. I've seen agents with couples go in the house. I called the office. They told me it's not on the market yet. Is that ethical?
1: Here's another one right here. Now, this is definitely going on. Coming soon. Sometimes they even put a sign on the lawn. Coming Coming soon. soon, And the neighbors are all watching this, and they know somebody that's interested. And they're seeing agents show up and going in. And then you call the office and they said, no, that one's not on the market yet. It will be. Well, wait a minute. I've been seeing people coming and going. Another problem with ethics right there. (laughs) You know, it's coming soon, but not to you. (laughs) 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 That's basically what that means. And the National Association of Realtors is taking a look at that whole thing coming soon. But uh, because they're not, they don't think that's ethical. They have, they have a lot of things that they don't think is ethical. And I think they do a lot of things that I don't think is ethical. So you've been saying too, that. I mean I'm there's... not too fond. I'm not too fond of them. Now they're trying to sell me health insurance. You know, stay in your lane.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's All a right. nightmare.
1: So what's coming up
2: next? So coming up next is going to be our topic of the day, which is home flipping increases even as profits decline.
1: All right, very good. So, with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. We'll be right back.
0: Good news in real estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net.
1: Hey, welcome back to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, All positive all the time. So where are we at the end?
2: So, Mark, we're up to our topic of the day, which is home flipping increases even as profits decline. Yeah.
1: So this is an interesting topic. So home flipping activity always goes on, even in the worst markets. In the 08, we were doing flips. and But it's at its highest point since 2006. The number of home flips grew by 26% in 21 compared to 20, and according to a re- new report from Adam, a real estate research company, last year's flips comprise only 5.5% of home sales in the nation, so it's not always a giant number. Home flips are considered transactions that consist of buying and selling within 12 months. Home flippers have been trying to cash in on the rapidly rising home prices, however, Even as flipping has increased, the gross profit margins have not. you got all these costs, lumber, everything else that's been going up. Totally increased. In fact, the gross profit margins on the home flips in 21 decreased to their lowest level in more than a decade. So, homes flipped in 21 typically generated a gross profit of 65 grand nationwide. The difference between the median sales price and the medium amount of investors originally paid. At the current rate, the gross profit translated to a thirty-one percent return on the investment. Be compared to the original acquisition price, which is the lowest margin since two thousand eight. This inflation's wow. a killer. This guy better get off. He better start doing something. I mean, <laughs> what he's doing is not working. Raising interest rates is not cutting it. While gross profits were lower for flicks and flips investors in twenty twenty one. There may have been offsets that protected net profits. Fewer flippers financed their purchase, so their cost of capital was lower, and it took less time to execute the flip, reducing the holding costs, suggesting that less extensive, less expensive repairs were needed to bring the property to the market. A lot of markup on the fix-up and flip properties historically has come from the value of those repairs, but so have the costs that reduce the, than that profit, so with all that we we've been talking about for a year now, right? Since At the, least, yeah. With the price of lumber and everything else, typically, gross profits on a home flip declined in 2021 after hitting a 15 year high in 2020. Houses, f- homes flipped in 21. So for a median price of 275, the average home flipper sold a home last year in 153 days. The lowest number since 2012. Now that's purchase, repair, get on the market, and sell. get
2: back on the market. That's right.
1: not that bad. Home flipping rates, as a portion of all home sales, dropped slightly more than half of the two hundred in the 209 metro markets tracked by Adam. Uh, the largest drops were reported in the Northeast and the West, led by Honolulu, down 83 percent. And Hawaii is Hawaii. It is expensive place to live, man.
2: Didn't Uh, we just have a friend that was there?
1: Yeah, Jack Jack Simpson's there. Atlantic City, Atlantic City's down seventy three percent. Manchester, New Hampshire, down fifty seven percent. Rochester, New York, down forty eight percent. And Cedar Rapids, Iowa, down forty seven percent. Now that's all due to a lot of factors, but the cost also. You know, like the, when I used to do a lot of flips, I had a number in my head that I wasn't getting involved unless I could net like thirty grand. Like I wasn't going to go through that whole process and walk away with less than thirty grand, right? Where it didn't make sense,
2: right? That seems and, to be the the number.
1: And now that all this all this inflation, and I, I read a report actually this morning about, you know, they're saying eight point five percent. That's that's nationwide. Philly's probably around 10, 11% inflation rate right now. Some people are predicting even higher. This administration better get their act together because this is getting worse and worse. I'm yeah, I'm starting to see Jimmy Carter in uh, my dreams here. <laughs> you know,
2: But then you have another report that comes out and says, you know, at the end of the day, so let's just call it December, and by the time they do all the reporting, it's going to be January, there's going to be the same amount of homes that sold in 2022 that there were in 2021. Oh,
1: I think there's going to be more homes sold you do. in 20 Yeah, cuz it the during the pandemic, uh there was more <laughs> houses sold in 2020 than 2019, which nobody sure. believes, and then there was more homes sold in 21 and 20. I just think there's going to be more homes sold in 22 than more sold in 21. I hope it, you're it, right, you know. Yeah, and you're we're right. going to, I'm starting to see some things with inventory. Like, well, we were talking about our number a couple of weeks ago. It was down to like 2,700. It's up to like 3,400 now. So we're start some inventory is starting to come on the market. These sellers, I had I taught a class this weekend and we were talking to them about, you know, these people don't know what's going on with real estate because the media doesn't talk about it. Right. Now they talked about it for about a week. Because the rates went up. So they see that as bad news. Oh, the interest rates are going up. Yeah. We get to five. I bought up my first house at 13. <laughs> I had friends bought at 18, 19. Yeah. Inflation in the 80s was 20%. Five is a great rate. But, you know,
2: that's yeah, the doom f- and gloom. Five if would it, be a good rate.
1: That's, that's uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. That's the media. They're brutal. Oh, absolutely. So. All
2: right, that was a good segment, though. That was good. I mean, you always have some great information on what's going on in the market and things yeah. like that.
1: So, and it's it's a great time to. It's the best time ever to buy. These rates are still low, and it's it's definitely the gr- best time in history to sell. To sell. I mean, if you list a house today, and that's priced right and shows right. By tomorrow, you'll have six or seven showings, and within a week, probably sold. In Philadelphia, on the markets, around a week, a week.
2: Yeah, and that's a lot Mark. I mean, it's and that's again, that's with like 15 to 20 offers that are that are going on. So
1: I told the students this week I said if you don't call your database and tell them what's going on,
2: how are they going to know? Right. Like, Somebody's got to call them.
1: I asked this question in class. I said how many of you researched the real industry before signing up for school? Right. One out of the whole class. Yeah. So the rest of you just signed up what if the industry was tanking? You wouldn't even know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're right. That's great advice. Yeah. All I right, got a so- standing
1: ovation at the end of that <laughs> zero to $20 million class.
2: Oh, I bet. I bet.
1: All right. So um, what's coming up?
2: All right. So we are up to our business segment with asking Dr. A, and we are going to continue motivating without money.
1: Yes. On the essence and the C's. So Dr. Abelson, how are you? I'm doing fine. How
3: are the two of you guys?
1: Very good. So pick it up. We did the D, the I, motivating without money, and now we're at the S and the C, which is probably the biggest groups. So tell us about this.
3: Well, let's just briefly, an S is somebody who is very supportive of other people. All right. It's hard to read their nonverbals. All right. And they like to be doing things stepwise. And they don't like to be doing too many things all at the same time. Okay. So they like to get it done. They usually have fairly high standards for themselves. So how do you motivate them without money? Well, one of the things you want to do is you want to make sure you have proven procedures. You don't want to be doing something new with them because that's a little awkward. So they like to have the confidence that it's going to work when they spend all this time working on it. So, again, you want to have some proven Different procedures as far as what's going on. Also, you want to get them, you want to allow them to get closure on the task, right? D's love to be working on a dozen things at the same time. S's like to be working on two or three things so they can get it done well and then move on to something else, right? You also don't want to bring them through change quickly. You want to do it one step at a time. uh, So they know the direction that you're going in. And if they feel comfortable with that direction and they know what's coming up next, they're going to be much more motivated. Mark, did you want to make a comment?
1: They don't like surprises (laughs) and they're all about why, why should I do this? And they, they want answers.
3: Yeah. And if you give them answers, then they're going to be much more willing to go along and do what it is that uh, you you want them to do. All right. Let's let's move on to the, the to the C. All right. Uh, put you want to you also with the C's. Right. They like detail. They like quality and those types of things. So you want to put operating procedures in writing so they know exactly what to expect. I mean, a, a stereotypical C is somebody who's like an engineer or somebody who's very who focuses a lot on technology and, and technical type things. So what Accountant. happens with. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So what happens with them is, is they want to know what are the rules. So if you give them the rules and the constraints, they love that. So again, put things in writing so they know exactly what to expect. They also like to be part of a group that has quality as, as an important feature, because I like to feel proud of their work and what they've accomplished. So that's very important for them. A third thing is make sure that they have the information and the data that's available, uh, and preferably what they need. But it's interesting with seeds; you can never give them enough information and enough data. So give them what no. is available, let them know what you have, so that they don't uh, get frustrated uh, asking for more and more information. Yeah, they'll ask you like, uh, well, what do you think will happen 10 years from now? <laughs> <laughs> like you got a
1: crystal ball. <laughs>
3: Yeah I mean they they, they want to know that's especially if they're high theoretical because they really really if they're high theoretical they also want to understand things and it's interesting when most of the time we've been looking at these things as if they're independent but they're not independent the motives no. and the behaviors go go hand in hand uh, with each other and it's important to realize that because you might have somebody who's a fairly intense C or, or a fairly intense S right but what's driving that behavior is is different so they could be utilitarian you remember utilitarians love efficiency or they could be social and socials are selfless so they do things for other people so you can have somebody who's a who's an intense C, who's detail-oriented, but is still so social. So it's fine for them to give things away, whereas if they were utilitarian, they would be very sparing with their time, all right, and they wouldn't be so willing to to give things away. So it's important for people to realize that both these motives, as far as what utilitarian, social, individualistic, traditional, those types of things, and the behaviors, which is the D, the I, the S, and the C – Go together, and if you really want to look at the truth of all this, you have emotional intelligence. You have different stressors. There's all kinds of aspects of personality. So it's important to realize that we are not uh, independent of 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 each of these different concepts. They all work together at the same time.
1: You know, I was just talking to a couple companies, and um, I try to get them to contact you. Because I just dissed somebody and they got back to me and they said they could not believe how accurate an Abelson diss test was. It's exactly who I am. And I don't know why more companies don't do this and avoid the turnover.
3: Well, we have over fifteen hundred clients all around the country. So uh, we do have some in Philly. We would always love to have more. So all people have to do to contact us is go to our website, Abelson A B E L S O N dot net, or contact me individually. Just go to, just email me at Abelson at Abelson dot net, and let's talk. Let's see how we can work together and help you decrease your turnover and increase your performance and productivity. All right, very good, Doctor. Sounds great. Thank you, Doctor Ray. All right.
2: All right. So with that, if you have any questions, you can email Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at DeanneKatsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. And a
1: special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every week. I get a lot of good responses. And for our sponsors for keeping us on the air, and we have spice for two sponsors if you want to join Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And we hope to make you a faithful listener if your first time you tuned in, and you can listen every Saturday at one o'clock here on 1210. So with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland.
2: I'm Deanne Kitsaris, your mortgage mom.
1: You've been listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio
0: 1210 WPHT.